Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Hi, good to see everybody. As you take a seat, don't take it too far. Just say hello to somebody next to you, say it's great that you're here this morning. Thanks guys. Thanks Tom, nice to see you. So, you're doing all right? Have you got used to the uh, clocks going forward an hour? Just about. Or are you still turning up at 10 o'clock to work on a Monday? Or Uh, if, you, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name's Jonathan, and um, I kind of lead, lead what's going on here as much as you can lead it. It's not very easy to lead it, because uh, only God can lead it, really. Uh, we just spend a lot of time chasing him. Um, this is harvest time. Now, if you're a farmer, and I don't know how many people are farmers? Do you know what a farm is? That's Caroline Farmer. That was a joke, wasn't it? Sorry. How many of us are farmers? Do you know what a farm is? Okay. So, harvest is an interesting time. I I can remember when I was uh, very young, uh, even younger than I am now, uh, that... That was wasted. Uh, um, That I I found harvest time when I was going 11, 12, 13, 14, a, a time of tremendous opportunity. Because it meant that in the business of harvest... I got to drive vehicles that actually legally I wasn't allowed to drive. And for a young 11, 12 and 13 year old, for me that was a big thrill. Uh, where, where you're climbing up one of these big uh, tractors or a trailer or a combine or something which is you know, 50 times bigger than you and you get to drive it. And it's really cool. So harvest gives opportunities that outside of harvest we don't have. Harvest also uh, is a time where uh, you, you can't stop to go and have a cup of tea. Uh, tea comes to where you're harvesting. Uh, you, uh, please, please forgive me now. You can't even go and find a toilet to have a wee. You just have to find a piece of hedge and have a wee. So, sorry, but that's kind of what happens. Because when harvest is there, you have to maximise the moment. Every day, every night, that's why a lot of vehicles had lights on it and daylights and night lights and... And it was always a challenging time, but a time of great opportunity. And uh, how many of you know that we're in harvest now? Uh, we've actually been harvest for about 2,000 years. Uh, Jesus said a couple of thousand years ago, look, look, uh, the, the fields are already white unto harvest. And uh, then he says, you know, pray for the laborers. Well, uh, here's a pop quiz. How many, how many of you know who the laborers are? Yep. Just two of you. Right, well, this message is for the rest of you. Because when you're in harvest, you can't opt out of the harvest. Uh, harvest is in your field. Harvest is in your house. Harvest is in your workplace. Harvest is in your leisure place. Harvest is in your holiday place. Harvest is in your daytime. Harvest is in your nighttime. Harvest actually can be sometimes annoying. Because what happens when you're harvesting is that you begin to get impregnated, usually through the ears, the nose and the eyes, through the fruit of harvest. Some people call it hay fever. Some people call it barley fever. Some people call it corn fever. But when you're harvesting, I think part of the harvest is supposed to infuse into our lives. And over these last weeks and months, as we've been journeying together, 
uh, certainly for me, and I don't know how this works out with you in your small groups or in your prayer times, is that I'm beginning to get impacted by the harvest that I want to impact. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Is that when I'm, when I'm waking up in the morning, what I'm getting is a little bit of weepiness. My eyes are running a bit. Why? Because I've got hay fever? No, because the harvest is beginning to affect my eyesight. When I'm listening to the conversations, you know, even on the radio, travelling up to work, to the office, or around the office, or out on the street, or in the town, the, the, the sound of the harvest is beginning to affect my, my senses. How many of you know that there's a thing at the moment called Brexit? Have you heard of Brexit? No? Where have you been? But it's a language. But my conviction is, is that through whatever happens, people are going to get to know Jesus. Because it's harvest time. It's also time, and we've been looking at this, and we've heard some messages here over these last few weeks, that it's, it's rain time. Now, on one level, you don't want rain when it's harvest time. You actually want rain before or afterwards. But you don't want it during. But how many of you know that what God is talking about is not physical rain, it's spiritual rain? How many of you love, or used to love, if you can remember them, or maybe you were massive advocates of them, where there used to be a whole load of things in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, up to a point, called outpourings? How many of you can remember that kind of thing? outpourings, where, where a, whole, a whole bunch of us would go into a building somewhere uh, and we would uh, imagine uh, and have God's help to do this, that we're standing un- under an open heaven and, and something is happening to us. How many of you have kind of been to things like that? Uh, and we might experience God in a particular way, or we may not, or we may you know, feel filled up, or we may not, or whatever. Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about with those? Outpourings. How many of you know that the outpouring actually isn't for us, it's for somebody else? The inpouring is for you. The outpouring is for the person next to you. It's a little bit like um, uh, having a cup of tea. Now, I don't drink tea, but there's, there's an amount of tea that, if you're not careful, comes out over the cup and goes into the saucer. Is that okay? This is not too deep for you. No, it's not too deep for me. Well, it's that bit that we want to give to other people. So in harvest, our life changes a little bit. And I'm going to share a few thoughts on... How, how do we live as, as harvest people, not saying one day the harvest is coming, actually today it's here. And it needs to affect our eyes, needs to affect our ears. Uh, I can remember wearing, wearing really old bits of hessian or handkerchiefs around your, your nose and your mouth, because when you're driving these vehicles, every bit of the atmosphere is full of bits of corn ears or bits of stalk or bits of dust. It's very dusty. You get that, right? So everywhere you can see it, it's like a haze. But the harvest needs to be like that, so that whenever we wake up, what we see is the haze of people that need to know Jesus. It's a sense of fog, but it's not because we can't see what we're doing, we're just aware of, man, there's people that I know that don't know the God that we've been singing about for 25 minutes. And it begins to affect our eyes. It begins to affect our mouths. It begins to actually sometimes affect our throat. Our breathing changes. Because that's what happens in harvest. What happens in rain is... I don't know, I like being in the rain, actually. Uh, We've got a conservatory roof, and I love the sound of it banging on the roof. Uh, Not everybody does. I like it, because I'm just weird like that. I just like it. 
I particularly like it because I'm not getting wet. So I get all the benefit of the sound without having to deal with the, the physicality of it. But when it's raining, man, I don't want to stay under cover. I want to stay out where it's raining the most. How many of you want to stay out where God is pouring down the most? Amen. Right, so here's, here's, here's some thoughts. Uh, in these next um, 45 minutes, God, I think, is going to present us all with a bit of a choice. And I'm not going to tell you what choice to make. Uh, I think we'll all make a choice, but I pray that it's, it's, a, it's a good choice. So in these last just seven to ten days, God, I've experienced this harvest and this rain in some particular ways. I'm going to try and explain it. Uh, a little while ago, we had, um, uh, well, beginning of this month, seven days of prayer. And I don't know how involved with that you were or able to be with that, uh, whether you remembered it or whether you just remembered to forget it or forgot to remember it. I have no idea. But all I know is, is that in harvest time, uh, you can't just go to a point and pray. You've actually got to be in the harvest and pray as well. Does that make some sense to you? Because when it's in harvest time, we don't have the time to go off and to remind ourselves of why we're in the harvest in the first place. You've just got to get on with it. You've got to touch it, feel it. You've got to pull it in. You've got to harvest it, chop it. You've got to put it through the machine, get it dry, get it separated, get it put into the barn. So there isn't always the same time to go off and say, okay, what, why am I harvesting? I just need to remind myself. And it's been interesting to me that over the, over the, uh, the, the, the prayer times, we had a really good impact prayer meeting here on Wednesday, but there were 15 people here. Now, it's great, and I love the 15 people that were here, but I hope everybody else was just praying anyway. I just hope that wherever you were, you were engaging with, it's harvest time and it's raining, and God wants to use me, not just to have an outpouring, but to have an outpouring. So can I just exhort you, don't let the enemy steal your harvest from you, because you've got one and it's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. And you've heard me say this many times, you don't know anybody that doesn't need to know Jesus. You don't know anybody that doesn't need to know him. They may have already given their lives to him, become a Christian. Well, they need to know him more, like we all need to know him more. Maybe they've never given their life to Jesus. Maybe they've never exchanged their, their rubbishy life for his brilliant one. Well, they certainly need to know him more. So all of us in this room, we're all in the harvest. But over these seven days of prayer, I don't know what was happening with you, but I found myself on a journey, and I'll describe it like this. It's times of great um, release and great, woo, that was brilliant. God, look at that, that was amazing. And other times of, God, what a state I'm in. Exuberance, one minute, desperation the next minute. But I wasn't desperate for me. I was desperate for you. I was desperate for how you're living, how your household's living. I don't know all of you that well. I know some of you really well. I know all of you to some degree, some of you here for the first time, in which case you may never come back. Well, God bless you for being here today because you need to hear it. But I found myself in, in tremendous exuberance. One minute, it's like, God, you are so brilliant. You're doing this, and I'm seeing that, and I'm hearing this, and I'm hearing that. And the next moment, it's like, God, you've got to do more. 
Is this, do you understand what I mean by that? It wasn't, oh, it's brilliant, I've got it all sorted. Because it, for me, in the moment that you just see God, is, is, it had five people respond to the gospel at Alpha just in these last week. Thank God. But there's more that haven't. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Uh, we, we were involved in um, one of the events that the Horsham congregation runs called Little Builders. We're over 200 unsaved people all in the same room. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And I was so thrilled that they turned up, but then, but then probably a second later, it was like, God, do more in those people's lives. Because I know that you came to give us life. And life in all its fullness. And I thank God for the 200 plus that turn up. But at the same time, it's like, God, do more. Just show yourself off. Is that somebody ordering chips? That's all right, friend. Oh, it was Peter. So we had this impact prayer meeting on Wednesday. It was really good. But to be honest, I was a little bit like, yeah, God, you're so brilliant in it. But come on. Where? You're right, Fred. Do you want me to deal with it? That's all right. For those listening on, that's, that's Fred. He's, he's off. We love him. Oh, man. Let's not look at him because he's embarrassed enough as it is. Then, then on Wednesday this week, we had um, a staff training day. And again, it was, it's got what we're going to do. Again, for some of you, it's not what's, you know, what's it got to do with me. So it actually got everything to do with you. Because one of the biggest things that I think happened even before the day was that we have over 30 um, full-time, part-time staff. Uh, um, and to be essence, we're about to reshape, with God's help, everything that we do. Everything. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, well, you know, how's that going to work? To be honest, I have no idea. All I know is it's harvest time and it's raining. That's all I know at this point is it's harvest time and it's raining. So we had a whole day, and it's a powerful day. You could sense the presence in it. It wasn't like a business meeting. It wasn't like a a management time. It was just a you, you were in the moment with God, and God was saying, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And we had probably two hours, I would say, at the beginning of the day, where pretty much everybody came and just said, this is what I think God is saying, what do you think? And within those 30 people, let's say, I would say God was saying the same thing. It's harvest time, it's raining. So get on with it. Wasn't it? That, I mean, you were there. Well, you know, that was pretty much what he was saying. So I'm going to share some stuff out of the context of all of this. And, and I'm going to ask you a question. You might want to write the question down. The question comes from Acts 7, 47 to 49. And the question is, what kind of house will you build for me? What kind of house will you build for me? So we're going to look at some things in the Bible. Um, you may be familiar with them, you may not, but they'll come up on the screen. Uh, the first one is from Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 26. Mark's an interesting uh, book in the Bible. It's, it's very unique in how it's written and, and what it covers in terms of the, the, the content and the text. But what this says here is they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So at the right time, at the right place, in the right moment, Jesus went and did the right thing. He went to church. All right? He went to church. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, 
not as the teachers of the law. So there was something about this guy that was just very different from what they'd been used to, accustomed to. And we can unpack all of that. I don't want to do that because the focus of today's message is not about authority. The focus of this message is about which house was he building. So Jesus came into the house, the church, but he brought something in with him which people, this is new, this is different. We haven't seen anything like this before. Can I just suggest that that's how we may need to live a little bit more? We can go into exactly the same kind of house, looks the same, sounds the same, smells the same, even got the same people in it, but we carry into the house something very different. You get one amen from the front row. It will get to the back by the time we're done. Hallelujah. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And I believe in harvest time you get some of this. Some people will know that you, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, then they're already thinking, you're a Christian, but you're a little bit odd, you're a bit out there, I don't get it, I don't understand it. But we're in harvest time, and people are just going to say, if you're a Christian, la, 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 la. If you call yourself a Christian, why is all this happening? Well, maybe that's just in my life. I have no idea. Some of you are nodding. You're either falling asleep or you're agreeing with me. Thank you. Is that some people are going to say, you know, call yourself a Christian, you know, get a church, la la la. But for me, that's part of harvest, that's not part of criticism. Because the world's got to come to a realization that a life in Christ is different from a life without it. Because if there's no difference, what's it all for? If I'm living my life the same as somebody that doesn't know God is living theirs, what was the point of Jesus? And Jesus. He didn't challenge this. He didn't moan about it. He just said, I'm going to sort out what's been influencing your life for all this time, so come out and leave him alone. And boom, this guy was healed straight away. He didn't have a conversation with him, saying it's your own fault, or what do you think, or theology is not right, or you know, should women be... He didn't even do that. He just said, I want to love on you because it's harvest time and I'm here for you. I'm not here for the church in that setting. I'm not even here for the service tonight. I'm here for the person in front of me. And at this moment in time, it's you. (laughs) It's you. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Ah! Let's not get freaked out by the shriek. Because the whole world's got a shriek. A longing, a desperation, a passion. And that's never going to be, res- res- uh, it's never going to be rescued, or you're never going to change that shriek until someone says, "There's someone that can help you, and his name is Jesus." Have you got that? So, have you got that bit of scripture? Right. We'll compare it with this one a little bit further down. This is in the same chapter, chapter one of Mark, verse twenty-nine to thirty-four. As soon as they left church, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. Again, Jesus went with a few people, but this mother-in-law, that was his harvest. She was a person right in front of him. But other people took him to her. And it may be that in this time of harvest, maybe your thing isn't that you're really, really good at introducing people to Jesus yourself. Maybe that's not where God is using you the most or where you feel God can use you the most. But let me tell you, everyone can bring someone to someone that can introduce them to Jesus. If if you're not confident, 
in, in, okay, how do I sort out to make sure this is done properly? Bring them to me, I'll help you. Bring them to Blake, he'll help you, because we've got the same kind of theology. Just, just bring them to someone then that knows what they're doing. Because the point is, is them. The point is, is the mother-in-law needed some help. There's loads of jokes there, which I'm not going to. But the point is, is that the mother-in-law was the person in front of Jesus. Is this making some sense? And in harvest, and this is one of the things that came out of this team day, right? Because we, we have, God said to us, right, you need to believe me to give you 5,000 households. Can you name them? Do you know which street they're in? Do you know what's going on behind the door of their life? No. It's too abstract. Until you start looking at the ground. 200 people turn up. Well, that's 200 households. Now I know what they're called. Now I know what they look like. Now I know what their shriek is. Now I know what their cry is. But I still know Jesus is the answer to all of it. Is this making some sense? So we can go around thinking we're being great. It's harvest time. Yeah, come on. Look at the harvest that's right in front of you. Who is it? Because it'll be somebody. It'll be somebody. So he left the synagogue, went with James and John, the home of Simon and Andrew, Simon's mother-in-law, we've read that. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. In harvest time, what we're doing is we're helping people up. We're not asking questions, why are you down there? We're helping them up. Jesus helped her up. And interestingly, Jesus touched the harvest. He touched her. Now, there's a whole load of reasons why he probably shouldn't have done in terms of law. But harvest isn't reaped because of law. Harvest is reaped because of what God calls grace. And there will be people's lives that you're touching already, that I'm touching already, that the world doesn't want to touch, necessarily. Or is touching in the wrong kind of way. But let me tell you, in harvest time, you just want to touch every life. Does that make some sense? You just want to touch every life. Whether they look like you, sound like you or not, whether they, they relate to you, whether they even hate you or not. In harvest, you just want to touch every stalk. <laughs> Everyone. Because sometimes, you know, some of these guys have been out with me. I, I mean, I'll talk to anybody. But I'm not going to talk to anybody about everything. I'm going to talk to everybody about something. And that something is, Jesus wants to help you. He says, I am your helper. And he wants to help. So this happens in the morning. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. That's powerful. What's, who's gathering at your door? I bet there's people. You might not see them like that. But who's gathering around the door of your life? Around the door of your house? around the door of how your family does family. And I'm not here to say, do it like that or do it like this. I'm saying is when people gather around it, what do they get? 
when people are gathered around you, just how you're living, maybe on their own with God or with others with God. But there's people are gathering around the doors of our lives. This wasn't a church meeting, or was it? Well, hello. This, this wasn't a church meeting, or was it? The whole town gathered around the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he wouldn't let the demons sweep because they knew who he was. Can I just suggest that around the door of your life, you've already got tens, hundreds, maybe thousands, I have no idea, of people. It's what's coming out of your house. Is it me or is it Jesus in me? Because I know what happens when it's me is I become a door. I become an obstruction, if you like. I become a hindrance. But if I let Jesus become the door, people are going to see more than just me. Jesus actually said, I'm the gate, didn't he? So this is what I'm saying. The question is, what are we building our house with? In Acts 2.2, and this is interesting, I think Acts 2.2, for those of you that know, the, know your Bible, this is a turning point. This was a turning point in history that we've already gone past, where God stopped being the God of over there to being the God of everywhere. Now, I know he's always been the God of everywhere. But on earth, you had to go there to see him. At this point, when you receive Christ and take him, anybody can see him when they see you. All right, that's the difference. So for, for generations, people had to go over there. God is over there. Or God is by that river. Or God is in that tent. Or God is in that building. Or God is in that. But in Acts 2.2, it says this. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. I think God wants to fill your whole house. Thank you for that. I think God wants to fill our whole house. Forget how clean or tidy or ordered or what our, our house culture is. Just park that for a moment. Because that's only going to change a worldview. God wants to fill your house and my house with himself. Amen. <clears throat> he wants to pour out the rain through your fixed ceiling or your second story flat or your ground... Forget the physical bit here. He wants to pour out his spirit right into your house. Right into the middle of it. Right where you do life. Right where you do whatever you do. Where you have your success and where you have your points of crisis. He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit right into your house. So that whoever comes to the door, man, they're going to get something from God. Woo! I'm excited. I don't know whether you are. You don't look very excited. To be honest, you don't look very excited. You, you sound a bit... We are. Yeah, we are. If you've got to tell me we are, then... I'm not going to say the next thing. <laughs> woo We want to be excited because it's harvest time and the rain is for the harvest in the natural. No, you're ruining the crop. Jesus says without it, you'll never get one. You'll never pull it in unless Jesus works through you. And this is a turning point in history. It's already happened. Suddenly there was a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. You don't want a violent wind in harvest. It flattens everything. We must have this violent wind in harvest to get everything God wants us to have. 
And we also know that there was fire came upon people. Let me tell you, in a dry season, you don't want fire. You've got to grease up loads of joints on machines that you don't normally have to bother with. You've got, just got to be so careful of chucking away this. I've lived in it. I've been in there. You can see it on the TV, Australia, just the whole, half the country catches fire because in dry, you just need a spark. Boom. But what God is saying, you know, you need this spark. You need this spark in your life to harvest in the way that I want it to harvest. Then in Acts 7, 47 to 49, uh, this is kind of cutting through a little bit of a story. It was Solomon who built a house for him. That obviously to him is for God. However, the Most High, God, Jesus, does not live in houses made by human hands. The prophet said this, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or well, where will my resting place be? You see, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of, a lot of money goes into harvest. You've got to recruit new people, you've got to hire other machinery in, you've got to maybe get bigger barns. But in that, you know you're going to get it done. You've got to work 20-hour days for a few weeks. But it's not because you're having a panic. There's rest in it. Because everybody's working 20 hours. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do, but I'm just saying in harvest time, it's like that. Everybody is working towards the same goal and the same objective. And within that, there's that rest of relationship, encouragement. It might be that, you know, on, on some days, you know, you, you, you manage to maybe chip one of the blades on the, on the machine. It has to... But other people just go, oh, it's all right, come on, we get it sorted out, let's keep going. Maybe you get a puncher in your tractor when you're halfway up the road and you've got 40 tonnes of grain in the back of it and you've got to try and move it without, with a jack and you're sweating. <laughs> and somebody's going to come and say, come on, we can do this. Let's, do you understand what I'm saying? Harvest time doesn't mean that it's all easy. But harvest time does mean it's all. As you can see, there's something that's been happening within me in these last few weeks, and it's this tremendous exuberance. Woohoo! Jesus, you're wonderful. You're great. Um, and the other day, this uh, Thursday, we had, we had a kind of an eight o'clock thing uh, up in the offices, uh, a chapel service. And I, I've, <laughs> trying to describe what was happening. For one moment, it was like, yay! Next moment, it was, no! Then it was, yay! Then it was, no! And it wasn't because God had changed his mind, but God was just doing something very different. And for half the time, I was crying with joy. For the other half, I wasn't. I was crying out of desperation. And God spoke something into my heart, and I can't talk too much about it now because I haven't prayed through yet. Jesus said this, Will you weep for the same things I weep for? Now, those of you who are theologically bent, you might think, well, Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. It, it isn't, actually, because um, in English. But rejoice always is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. But let's not get theological. But Jesus wept for three reasons. And maybe we'll, if we've got time at some other point, we'll talk about them. But I'm only just going on that journey. But what God said to me is, will you weep for the same things I weep for? Do you know what Jesus weeps for? The lost. The things he hasn't got. 
but they belong to him. Come on. Now, I'm not saying that we, we all need to have a bit of a cry session. Okay? What I'm saying is, is God wants to pour in something new into your life and into mine so that something new comes out of it. He wants to pour something from heaven. This is not from a political point or a financial point. It's not from a, you know, a, a, a mind point of view, doctrine, philosophy. It's not from that kind of point. God wants to pour something fresh into our lives now. He wants to fill your house with something fresh now. So that whoever comes through the door, they're going to they're gonna find God's reality there, more than they've ever done it before. And please don't sit there thinking, well, you don't know how I live, because you don't know how I live either. All I'm saying is God wants to pour out something more of him so that our house becomes part of the harvest, because it's in the harvest. So there's a few things that, that did come out of this staff day. The first thing, and again, and if you can get to this, it's great. If you can't, then, then just encounter God. Is Next week is, is the beginning of our last term in the Bible school. We have three 10-week terms. And on Monday, we'll have 40 people turning up ready for their new term. Now, because of what God has been saying to us as a leadership, we're, we're moving all of our college meetings, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, up to Foundry Lane. Because we want to give God space to come and fill our hearts and our lives. We don't just want to meet as a little cottage huddle so that when they all turn up next Sunday, they're all a bit more fiery and feisty than we are. Because actually the Holy Spirit's the same. So next week, we're just moving all of that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you found your lane, 7.30. This coming Saturday, and this is a new initiative for us, uh, is we've got our very first breakthrough prayer meeting. It's from 9.30 till 10.30. 9.30 till 10.30 for one hour which Richard and Sharon have kindly hosted. Now, we haven't done this like this before. Uh, we have impact prayer meetings. They're great, they're powerful. But this isn't about the same thing that impact's about. It's about pushing into the house of God so that our house gets changed. So I don't know what's going to happen. It might be that God just wants to do a bit of a spring clean. Maybe he just wants to do a declutter. Maybe he just wants to come and clean. The, I don't know. All I know is, is that for that one hour... I'm going to go along with that and say, God, just do something new in me and through me. Because it's harvest time and it's raining. I'm not praying one day it's the harvest. It's like, God, come on, let's get on with it today. So my expectation is on this on these Saturdays, it's going to be one a month, and Andres and, and some of our guys are sorting that out, is, is that these are going to build, build in their momentum. Uh, like the impacts on the Wednesday have, this is going to support and supplement that. But just give more time really to pray into, God, I want to see a breakthrough in my workplace. I want to see a breakthrough in my family. I want to see a breakthrough in my marriage. I want to see a breakthrough in my single. Whatever it is, it's one hour. All right, so it's not going to go on forever and ever and ever. It's going to be one hour. Come on, because in one hour, you can see a lot of God change in harvest and rain time. Then um, this other thing, which kind of came out of staff training and is I've mentioned Alpha. I mentioned Alpha at the beginning of this little chat, moan, dialogue, whatever you want to call it. Now, the next Alpha scheduled on our calendar is September, but we've torn up the calendar, to be honest with you. So I think we'll probably start Alpha again here in May. Uh, Annette doesn't know that. Now she does. Now she's looking at me in a funny way. 
but I think all of us probably will. Because on the back of the last Alpha, which actually is only finishing this coming week, we've already got half a dozen people that want to do it now. Well, I don't know about you, but when it's harvest time, you get on with it. You don't say, oh, it's harvest, but we'll wait for six months. No, no. So we're going to have to change some things. And some of you may need to get involved with that that maybe have never been involved with that before. Well, I don't know about others, but certainly for my testimony, I've done four now. Man, I found out how much I just didn't know. How much I thought I knew, but how much I did were two different things. But also to see the faces of Amy, gave her life to Christ, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Kirsty, that you came here two Sundays ago, searching for God Monday, she found him. Yeah. Come on! Um, because these 5,000 households have got to look like somebody. Yes, <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have, you have here, 30, 40 people here, you have part of the harvest in front of you. These 5,000 households are not all in Horsham, thank God. But they're over this region of about 2.1 million people live in our region. And we're believing God for 20,000 of them. But some of those 20,000, you already know. Come on! You already know them. So, here's the question again. What kind of house will you build for me? I've been throwing this around my head loads. We're going to hear a lot more about this um, after Easter particularly because we want to focus on just touching people's lives. Last year, our congregation number doubled for Easter Sunday. Great. Exuberance. Woohoo! The next day, I was gutted. What happened to these 40 other people that came? Where are they now with God? What's their journey with Jesus like today? Now, you don't have to worry about that. I do. I don't worry about it either, actually, because it's in God's hands. But it's just something I'm mindful of. Because people don't get saved by going to an event. They get saved by going to the house of God. They don't get healed by going to an event. They get healed by going to the healer who is at the event, whose name is Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, to kind of, because I'm just mindful of the time, so to, to bring this to conclusion, there was one song, now I don't, you might know it, you may not know it, um, which we, I've seen it Pastor Clive when he was out in Israel probably three weeks ago now, and he hadn't heard it before, and he just put it on, and he just burst out crying in the middle of actually quite an important meeting. And there's a whole load of story behind that, which when he's back again, I'll get him to share. I think he might have shared some of it when he was here the last time. But this song we're going to play in a moment, um, it's called New Wine. It's my Hill song. Um, it's, it's not in Australian, it's in English. You'll be pleased to know. But the point is that it's a longing. It's a desire. And the more I've heard it, and I've, I've got these little earbud things now, so I can listen to it a lot, is every time I hear it, two things happen with me. One, God, you're brilliant. Two, God, God you need to be more brilliant than me. God, I'm so thankful that I'm filled with your spirit. But I want a new spirit, or a renewed spirit, to be theologically correct. I want a renewed spirit. And I believe we're in a season where God is changing the wineskin. 
And I think for many of us here this morning, this song is going to help us take our next step towards that. Again, I know some of you are here for the first time. This is exactly why you're here then. Because this is a turning point. This is like an Acts 2-2 moment for us. Because the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill your house. So you all want to stand up. You want to stand up, sit down. Again, please don't use the chairs in this moment as your house. You are the house. All right? The chair is just so you can sit on it or kneel on it or do whatever you need to do on it. But in these next few moments... As we just engage with this song, you might just need to kind of let it run for a minute or two. I think it's about six minutes long, I can't remember. And we can run it a couple of times. But we're not singing about the song. Or don't sing to the TV, all right? You might begin with, just to get used to it. But this will become an expression of your spirit, your heart. Have you got me? But you just respond in whatever way you want to, okay? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.